Hello, everybody, and welcome to another edition of the Toogie's Take podcast. Today, well, today isn't exactly going according to plan, but it is, and I will elaborate on that at the very start. Normally, I am joined here by one Mr. Endo Mills. Endo is unfortunately other under the weather today. It's great that I'm struggling to talk on what is a podcast, of course. Endo's under the weather. He's not here. But today, we had a special guest lined up and an announcement to make as a result of that. And allow me to introduce said guest for the second show in a row. It is one Mr. Sin for the win. And Sin is back here because, and it's a it's a damn good thing Endo can't be here for this announcement. After the last show, we had talked and we had made a decision. And moving forward, this show, it's going to be a three-man unit. We are bringing on Sin to be a full-time member of this show. It'll be myself, Sin, and Endo. Still two times a week here, of course, talking everything hockey-related. Sin... It is great to have you on board full-time with us now, Yeah, buddy. I mean, this is fantastic. You know, ever since you guys launched it, I was uh, definitely excited to be on it as a guest and now to be here joining you as a co-host and hopefully, uh, again, Endo, if, uh, as soon as he gets better and uh, gets some sleep instead of, you know, grinding too much of that NHL 22, but <laughs> it happens to the best of us. Yeah, just uh, really excited to be here with you, man. Absolutely. So again, we will be talking everything here hockey-related, heading into the opening night of the season. The show might go up on Wednesday, but we are recording this on Tuesday. The first two games of a new season are tonight. We still have a couple of things to talk about to really set the stage for this new season. Before we get into the meat and potatoes of the show, though, again, of course, as always, a friendly reminder that this show was brought to you by our friends at Manscaped, you can still use code TUGI at checkout for 20% off your order, free worldwide shipping. It doesn't matter if you're in Hungary. It doesn't matter if you're in Mongolia. Trim those nose hairs. It doesn't matter if you're in Australia. It doesn't matter if you're in Belgium. Take care of yourself in more ways than what? Potentially. You do what you want, but use Manscaped. Get the right tools for the job. Sin. You uh, really set the stage high. The bar is very high for you in terms of mentioning Manscaped on this show. Bring it home one more time with our friends at Manscaped. Our friends at Manscaped bringing you the best gear to clear out your gear of all the... uh... Yeah, that was... I I really wanted to go somewhere (laughs) with it, but I just... it was there and I missed it. We're we're gonna get better at that, you know. I'm I'm still still fresh to this. I mean, you nailed it. So I, I had to try to, you know, push that bar a little bit higher. But but how how do you how do you uh, improve upon perfection? Might not be a way. I've had a lot of I've, I've had a lot of practice <laughs> over the majority of this year. It's all good. Again, manscaped.com. Use code Tugi. Twenty percent off your order. Free worldwide shipping. With that, we have a, a lot of topics to get to today. Uh, admittedly, I, I tried my best to kind of organize the topics of discussion today to have it flow naturally, but there's just a lot, as you would expect. Teams have finalized their rosters, and there's just a lot to talk about, so stick with us here. But there is one team in a way, Sin, as we as we get into a couple of viewer questions here, that haven't quite finalized their rosters the way that the fan base of this particular team would have thought. This question comes from a man with no name. Is Brady Kachuk signing this year or holding out? You'd think with the Suzuki and Pedersen deals that he doesn't have much negotiating power anymore. 
So Brady Kachuk is the last holdout. How do you view this going? Because we will talk about some of the other signings here as well that have happened that have maybe driven down that market price just a little bit. How much longer can this go on? I'm kind of confused by it, honestly. It seemed like, you know, Ottawa was a team on the up and up with all those young guys. He was obviously incredible friends with Stutzla. Yeah, you want to make your money and you want to get a contract that works for you with the term and all. But it's just kind of Ottawa, once again, having trouble or having trouble just, yeah, having trouble in general, just negotiating with a star. And that's kind of an odd kind of trend uh, that's been going against. But yeah, Brady may have just pressed his luck a little bit with the, uh, especially the Suzuki contact. I, I think that's his closest comparable is Suzuki because he's going to, because Suzuki's going to have to grow into that deal. Brady Kachuk, if he wants long-term is probably going to grow into it. If he's holding out and wants close to eight mil, it's yeah, I don't know. Uh, I, he better get signed quick. We know he's been training, but yeah, I'm a little confused as to why he's still not signed yet, either on him or the organization. It's hard to be able to place blame. I think the issue is they have, 20 million dollars in cap space (laughs) so he's saying all right you have the money pay me what i want but how yeah it's it's tough for ottawa right because they're in a situation where you get to say well hey we're probably not going to be a playoff team with or without you so we really have no pressure to give into these demands that could put us into a tougher spot down the road so he'll end up signing i'm sure but is it completely out of the question to say that he could just sit out for the year or get traded? No. I don't know. I'm very intrigued. And I don't know. Maybe it's just because you think of, like, I think of his dad and the type of guy he seems to be just really, I don't know if hard, like, I don't know if stubborn comes to mind, but it's just, I don't feel like you're going to get away with telling a member of the Kachuk family what to do. Yeah. You know? I don't think that's going to go too well. Uh, We were going to talk about the Suzuki deal later on. We might as well mention it now instead of circling back. And then again, we'll talk about some of the other deals as well that were signed. So Nick Suzuki has signed an eight-year, of course, full-term contract extension that starts next season at $7.875 million. Now, is Nick Suzuki worth that right now? No. Is Nick Suzuki likely going to be worth that very, very, very soon? Yes. And it's a huge uh, bit of business there for the Habs to lock down somebody uh, that they, you know, rightfully so, have their faith in moving forward to be one of their main players uh, in this next era of what the Habs are. And I mean, especially, too, you talk about them just losing Kakaniemi uh, to an offer sheet. Uh, they're not risking that again is the, the way I see this. So uh, I, I do like the deal. I got to be honest. And uh, that will make him their highest paid forward starting next season, unless a different deal comes through. Yeah. And I, I'm i I'm extremely high on Suzuki ever since I kind of saw him start to break into the league. He has a severely underrated two-way game, and that's going to turn him into a, at minimum, in my opinion, a 1B, like maybe even be a top-line center. He's... He does have that ceiling. The Whether he gets there is another thing, but yeah, I think he's going to be extremely worth that contract two, three years, and even a little bit more down the road when he's in his prime, when the contract's nearing its end, that could be a steal of a deal for a few years. And if Montreal are playing their cards right and keep themselves in a good competitive position, that could be a deal you look back on. It's like, wow, that helped them get over the hump, maybe even uh, get themselves a cup win down the road. But 
again, we'll see uh, how how they handle things. We talked about a little bit about you know Canadian teams and how they seem to shoot themselves in the foot every so often. Hopefully, they don't do the same with their roster uh, after signing this deal because this is big for them. This is really good to get him locked in. And the final viewer question that we'll get here again, we had so much to talk about today. We had to kind of cut some things down. A lot of questions were in reference to, oh, what teams and players do you think will do well or underperform? And a lot of that we did cover uh, in the preview episodes over the last two weeks. So make sure to check that out if you have not already done so. But this question comes from BK. Who is the first coach to get axed this season? And, you know, I, I want to kind of give a tour of the league, right? Because I think there's there's a lot of possibilities, right? Uh, maybe Daryl Sutter in Calgary. He comes to mind. I mean, only for the express reason of who the hell knows what the Calgary Flames are even doing. Yeah. You know, we think they're going to make a decision, and then they don't. And then they do make a decision, and it's not what you would expect, I would view this as the worst thing that they could possibly do, considering he just signed an extension in June. But I would not put it past the Carolina Hurricanes to fire Rod Brindamore if they are worse than expected, because I do not trust Tom Dundon as the owner of that team to do a rather logical thing, especially after this is a team that just offersheeted Kakanyemi and added a $20 signing bonus out of pettiness. So I, I view that as an option. Um, I, I gotta be I gotta be honest here too. Rick Bonus in Dallas, he comes to mind. Uh, it's the last year of his deal anyway. The man is sixty six years old, and yes, they did go uh, to a Stanley Cup final, of course, within the bubble when they lost to Tampa. But you know, again, if they're worse than expected, that's a possibility. Sin, I got more. I got more here. I'll just keep rolling. Yeah, I mean, keep, you let keep me know naming if you names. I mean, the end. I I definitely There's... I can definitely see the argument for the Calgary situation even with the extension same thing Carolina I don't know I mean it's he seems like just a such a beloved guy there but yeah you mentioned that would it would be what's that awful it would be awful yeah. for them yeah. to do that but Carolina has done some awful things lately yeah they uh, who knows what they're doing one thing I would I would add is uh uh, Montreal, uh, Claude Julien, right from Montreal. I would add him to the list of possible firings simply because how does Montreal cut you off there? Cut you off there. It is Dominique Ducharme. My bad, my uh, bad. CJ yeah, yeah, that's right. A little bit ago. Um, yeah, but hey, that's all good. Yeah, Claude Julien's actually. You know, the funny thing is, Claude Julien's actually been gone for a little bit. Um, Why do I still I think, think he's there? Of, <laughs> I think as of twenty twenty. I don't know. Maybe that just goes to show that Dominique Ducharme could be the right guy because it's like, ah, but there you go. He was actually maybe even on my short list, though, of of guys who could get cut for the sole purpose of it's Montreal and you never really know what they're going to do. And it's they um, set expectations for themselves last season that I think they probably want to get back to and probably aren't going to. It's a really tough division, as, of course, we uh, we talked about in that Atlantic division breakdown. Yep. Uh, Edmonton comes to mind with Dave Tippett. Yeah. Uh, again, if, if they're worse than expected, which I, I talked about it in the last episode, you were here, that defense and goaltending scares me. Um, Florida, for the same reasons, right? Like, if the Panthers struggle to make the playoffs or something like that, you never know. I mean, I, I you would think Coach Q would be safe, but you would have thought that in Chicago as well. Yeah. Um, a lot of the teams that I have here listed are teams that are expected to be good, and if they don't make it, who gets axed? 
if anybody, it's going to be the coach, right? That's how it works. So, like, Dean Evison in Minnesota, even though he's a somewhat recent hire. Um, San Jose with Bob Bugner. I could I could see him going because Doug Wilson's Teflon, and he's never going to go. Um, aside from that, there are some other names, though, that, that really do stand out. I'll throw Peter DeBoer out there for Vegas. Same level if they're somehow worse than expected. He's the easy scapegoat. Peter Laviolette in Washington. Even Paul Maurice in Winnipeg, although, as we talked about in the last episode, Paul Maurice is a beautiful man. Covered about I half think, the teams now. <laughs> that's just how crazy it could be, though. I mean, that's exactly how much onus that's gets pushed on it. Yeah. If I had to little, if I had to little it down to like three or four, where I'm like, okay, Vancouver with Travis Green because the rumors were there before. He, uh, I believe, recently, yeah, he just recently resigned the extension. But uh, Sheldon Keefe in Toronto, I could see it happening if the Leafs are worse than expected. And then the two big ones for me, Greg Berube in St. Louis, because that's been rumored lately, and uh, Elaine Vigneault in Philadelphia has to be my number one choice. But to that point, and the reason why I just kept droning on and on about here's an example and here's an example, it's what Sin just said. This league is crazy right now, and expectations for teams, for so many teams, are so high that you just don't know if if ownership groups and management groups are going to view it as this is still our coach, but this just wasn't our year because of how strong the competition is versus, you know, the competition's really strong, but we should have been better and you're the easy guy to get rid of to make a change. It's crazy. Yeah, I mean, those are really good points. Sheldon Keefe, I had something I didn't even think of because I that, that's he's like Dubas's guy. Like he, he seemed to be like groomed for that job for so long. So I struggled to see how he might be traded. But then again, that's a team that, oh, if you need to make a change, what are your options? You can't really trade anyone besides Nylander and you don't want to trade Nylander because he's probably your best production to cap guy on your roster right now. Uh, so... Yeah, that, that it could happen. Um, I don't think it does because I mean, they're going to be a great regular season team. You can't fire a coach in the middle of the playoffs, so it'll be an off season I mean, thing, I think. You have Leafs fans saying if this isn't the year they make it out of the first round, that Kyle Dubas is gone. But then, depending on that ownership group, maybe it's Marner, maybe it's you know, again. Yeah. You start talking about the idea of moving on from Mitch Marner or William Nylander or getting rid of Kyle Dubas as the GM. And then it's like, okay, well, if we got to make a change, what's the easy thing to do, even though you just signed to do an extension? Yeah. It is Sheldon Keefe. Like, that is always the the guy at the front of the line. Yeah. So there's a lot of guys, I think, Philadelphia and Elaine Vigneault, just because of the expectations of that team, though. He's probably on the hottest seat uh, right now at this stage. So, again, everybody, uh, a, big, a big thank you for the questions. Again, uh, there's always a... Uh, tweet up a little bit before the show at 2K24 on Twitter. And, of course, the Discord is there as well. There's a link to that uh, in a lot of different places. You can find it on my Twitch page, the description of every YouTube video. Check out the Discord if you have not already done so. And with that, this is this is going to be a show at breakneck speed. There's a thousand uh, little topics to cover that we're going to get to today that will finally set the stage before, hey, we have some real hockey to talk about. Sin, let's start it off with what I know you were looking forward to the most on this particular show. 
And it's uh, really the main event of our, of our season preview type of deal. It is our awards predictions, and maybe we'll get Endos uh, on the next show as well, and we'll see if it's a bit reactionary, if Austin Matthew goes goes off for like seven goals yeah. in, in two <laughs> games or something like that. Which he usually does. Actually, I don't even know if the... I don't even know if the Leafs play all that uh, all that early. There are some teams that have to wait. I'm pretty sure the Bruins don't play until Saturday. The start of the NHL schedule is horrifically frustrating. I'll say that. But in terms of the awards, we will start it off with uh, what some consider the main event, the Hart Trophy, essentially for league MVP. Sin, my choice here is, is rather straightforward and obvious. I want to know if yours is the same. Who is your pick for the Hart Trophy this Mine year? Mine is not the same. Um, and if you want to, if you want to go with the obvious first, so I can explain a little bit of my hot take, then uh, feel free. All right, Connor McDavid, my choice for the Hart Trophy because he he should be. Mm. And the only way that McDavid doesn't win it is if the worst case scenario happens, as we talked about in the last show, and that is if that defense and goaltending is just too much of a boat anchor for McDavid, Dreisaitl, and company to carry towards the playoffs. Yeah, I mean, definitely a solid point. Mine is a little more of a, like I said, a sleeper pick. Uh, I think a team's going to have a bounce back in the central. I think that team's the Chicago Blackhawks, despite having terrible forward depth, but that's why I have Patrick Kane as a possible winner of the Hart Trophy, because when you lack that forward depth, a lot of young guys, Patrick Kane is going to do what he does. He's a magic magician with the fuck. He puts up points. If he does go off and more confident backed by, you know, Marc-Andre Fleury back there and it's Seth Jones, he might not have the amount of points that all these guys have. But I could see a situation where the league is like views him as this, um, you know, a savior of the franchise and. I don't know, maybe it's a little too hot to touch, but also maybe the NHL is like, yeah, let's get some positive Blackhawks news out there. And Patrick Kane is, you know, the MVP. I don't know. I could see it happening, though. Hawks could bounce back, and it's going to be a Patrick Kane who does it on the offense. It's going to be him and, like, three other guys producing. But, yeah. Fair enough. That brings us to our second award here. And, I mean, obviously, there's, well, for the heart, there's a lot of different options Mm -hmm. that are out there, right? I mean, you talk about... Just the superstars of the league, and that brings us to the Rocket Richard, where, hey, it's not out of the realm of possibility that the Rocket Richard winner also wins the hearts. Again, uh, I can't help but go with the the obvious choice. My pick is one Austin Matthews, so yeah. long as he stays healthy. Send your choice for the Rocket Richard. Austin Matthews. Yeah, I, I don't really have a hot take for that. Austin Matthews is going to score goals because Austin Matthews scores goals. <laughs> Yeah, I, <laughs> I mean, <laughs> he still has Marner, Nylander, right? all these guys to pass to him. Like, there's no way he takes a step back. Yeah, and I mean, you know, he had 41 goals in 52 games last year. Silly. David had 33, Debrinket 32. I mean, there are guys who can who can get close, but if Austin Matthews stays healthy, yeah. he's he's winning the Rocket Richard. And to be honest. This is, at this point already, I mean, you're talking about a guy who is, what, 24? Which is kind of crazy to think the guys like, you know, McDavid and Matthews are already in their mid-20s. But yeah, I mean, Austin Matthews is 24 years old. I'm looking at it now, Sin. He has 199 career goals uh, in 334 regular season games, which is... the, the, The Rocket Richard is his award to lose for the next 10 years. Pretty much, he is yeah. going to be the favorite pretty much every year for the next decade. Mm-hmm. 
Even if he's playing in Arizona. Yeah. Montreal might be punching the air right now because I think Caulfield's going to eventually take over, but he's going to have to prove it. I mean, he's got his chance now. And, uh, I mean, I don't know. I don't know how, how anyone it's – like, it's like when Ovi was in, like, entering his prime. You're like, how does anyone outscore this guy? Like, he's just a pure – well, I mean, I guess – all right, I'm not going to say pure, pure goal scorer. Matthews is developing a bit of a two-way game, but he's so good with this shot and – yeah, there's just no real feasible way that I can see anyone beating him to, unless it's an injury or misses playing time for some other reason. We'll move on to the Norris for the league's top defenseman. Won last year by Adam Fox, and he is amongst the favorites to win this award again this season. You talk about heavy competition from a lot of different names. Some of the names, of course, that stick out, Kale McCarr, Victor Hedman's still in the mix, Dougie Hamilton maybe, depending on what he does in New Jersey, dare I say Charlie McAvoy. Um, this this might be the most difficult award for me to pick because I can see Adam Fox going back-to-back, but I also feel like Kale McCarr is really going to be up there. I would be shocked if anyone other than Fox or McCarr wins this award this year. I am going to go with McCarr for my official nod, but this is a very tough award to pick. Yeah, I got McCarr slash McAvoy. Um, I kind of chose one from each uh, conference because, again, it's so hard to choose. Uh, again, Fox is amazing. I think McCarr does what he does and needs to get a bit more recognition and probably gets less recognition than he should from playing in the West. But, yeah, I, I think McCarr is that, – that's my primary. I have Mac, McAvoy in there kind of as the more sleeper pick because he's going to stand out so much in Boston simply because Boston's defensive core, in my opinion, got significantly weaker over the last couple of years. So McAvoy, if he puts up that solid you know, two-way game and stuff that he, uh, he can do, uh, he'll stand out like this incredible uh, defensive being in Boston. So that's why I kind of got him in there as well. I do like McAvoy, but it is such an offensive award yeah. in terms of point totals, and I just don't know if McAvoy will keep up with the likes uh, of McCarr or Adam Fox in that regard. We'll move on to what I view as another complete toss-up in terms of, or not a toss-up, but a slam dunk, I should say. The complete opposite, actually. Uh, a slam dunk of an award. It is the Vesna Trophy, of course, for the league's top goaltender, Andre Vasilevsky is winning this award. <laughs> I mean, unless unless you have another goalie like Mark Andre Fleury, who had as you know a great season, but not as good of a season. But he's never won the award before, so let's give it to him to really lock in that Hall of Fame resume. Yeah, he, he got the Drew Doughty this, treatment. He really. I mean, again, the <laughs> the Leo DiCaprio Revenant Award, yeah. now once again known as the Vesna. Uh, yeah, it's going to be Andre Vasilevsky. I actually have someone else. Um, Interesting. Yeah, I like it. I, I yeah, I, I, I think Lightning are still gonna be incredible. I think they lost enough pieces to their depth uh, to maybe, maybe not be a shutdown. That being said, Vasilevsky is obviously a machine, but I have Simeon Varlamov in there simply because with the Lightning getting weaker, with the Isles being the way they are, defensive team, they acquired even more kind of guys. Parise has an insane two-way game and is a hard worker like that. Varlamov already has really strong goaltending stats with the Islanders, and mm -hmm. I feel like he could just have a year like that and 
kind of break the mold in that case. And with, like I said, with the Lightning potentially being weaker after winning back-to-back cups, it's so hard to keep that sort of a group together, especially after back-to-back cups. I, I could see it happening. So again, kind of more of a hot take right there, but... I see the logic behind it. I mean, I'll say this about goaltending, right? Like, the, uh, the the popular opinion is often very fickle. Yeah. Right? The idea of, like, oh, Andre Vasilevsky wouldn't put up these good of numbers if he was on a bad team. And then, of course, uh, as we'll always call it, the Carey Price defense of if he was on a good team, of course, that team just went to the Stanley Cup final and we're still seeing people saying if it was a good team. Yeah. Um, and then Varlamov, you know, and, and even Sorokin, we'll see, but Varlamov is the starter. The idea of, oh, he only has good numbers because he's in a Barry Trotz system. Imagine if Barry Trotz wasn't the coach. There's always some excuse as to why somebody's there. There's always some sort of takeaway. There's a world. I mean, Varlamov started off last season fantastically. Yeah. Like, honestly, for the first month and a half, two months of the season, he did look like somebody who would absolutely be up there for the Vesna finalist conversation. So I don't think that's out of the realm of possibility. Yeah, I'm looking at his final stats right now. I mean, shortened season at 36 games played. He put up a, a 9-2-9 and a 2.04. And how many shutouts if you have that there? Because I'm pretty uh, sure he had quite a few. I think se- seven. <laughs> that's kind of silly. <laughs> and I'm kind of wondering why he wasn't in the conversation last season. But again, maybe, I don't know. It's, you got the Lifetime Achievement Award thing, but also the Barry Trot system. So I don't know if they'll, you know, just kind of, I don't know, he, he would kind of have to go off. But those are kind of ridiculous numbers at the same time. Yeah, Varlamov had seven shutouts in 32 games. Grubauer had the same amount in 29 games. Uh, then you had Flurry with six and Vasilevsky with five. Granted, Vassy had five shutouts in, uh, yeah, well, I mean, got six less games than Varlamov, so who, who knows? There's no game sevens Vassie in the played. regular season. <laughs> he waits to get all his shutouts in game sevens or elimination games. Jesus. Yeah. He's clutch. We'll move on to another award that, and I'll say it correctly this time, is a toss up. And it was a toss up before we saw some of the surprising young names to make their rosters. And, uh, Sin, it was one of the things that we'll talk about or that we were going to talk about later, but I feel like it might make more sense to bring it up now. And that is some of the more surprising names to make the NHL uh, opening day rosters. And Chris Johnston, uh, now of TSN, uh, pointed out this tweet. He said, in case you wanted to feel old, two 2003-born players were included on opening day rosters. Mason McTavish in Anaheim and Cole Stillinger in Columbus. There was also an October of 02 birthday in William Eklund, of course, for the San Jose Sharks. So first and foremost, yes, I do feel incredibly old uh, off of that stat. Yeah. Um, and yeah, in terms of surprising names to to make the roster, again, I'm not going to list everybody. But yeah, McTavish uh, stands out for Anaheim. Sillinger, as well as Yegor Chinnikov, stand out for the Columbus Blue Jackets. Obviously, Eklund and San Jose. Um, not that these guys are, are Calder favorites, but the Sharks actually had quite a few guys make their team. Uh, Lane Peterson, Jasper Weatherby, Santari Hataka, whoever the hell that is. I don't think he's real, but... Yeah, just another defensive second-round pick. Apparently, we only need to choose defensemen in the second round because that's <laughs> that's how we get good ones. <laughs> so those guys, obviously, again, not Calder favorites, yeah. but they're worth mentioning. And then they're so... So many dudes. Uh, Seth Jarvis and Jack Drury in Carolina. 
Uh, Sampo Ranta won a spot for Colorado, not a Calder favorite, but you go yeah. through these rosters. Lucas Raymond, not only making the Red Wings, but making it and is going to be a top-line winger for them, primarily due to the Akavrana injury. Uh, Anton Lindell is going to be there for the Florida Panthers. Uh, Peyton Krebs, Pavel Dorfaya for Vegas. I mean, again, there's a lot of guys that I'm, I'm not listing here. There's there's a ton. Sin can attest to that. I kind of wrote down a bunch of names uh, on our little run sheet here. So it makes the Calder that much more difficult to predict because before that, I think you would have had, you know, maybe more at Cider in the top three. But certainly, guys, I think like the the primary three that I saw people mentioning were Zegras, Spencer Knight, and Cole Caulfield. But now you've got a lot more names yeah. in the hat that could potentially win this if these guys stick with this team. I'm I'm still torn between either Cole Caulfield and Spencer Knight. Yeah, I got Cole Caulfield, but I also think I mean I I, I think Zegris has a has a great chance too, but he's then on the flip side, doesn't have necessarily enough tools around him. Offensively, we talked about how terrible Anaheim is. Um, Lucas Raymond could sneakily do it, but again, there's that possibility of does he have enough tools around him and and, and so on and so forth. So I think well, Tyler Bertuzzi's on in the other wing. So yeah, I, tools. <laughs> oh, sorry. Oh, 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 oh there you go. There I, yeah, there you go. I was, like, I was gonna be like offensive tools. Yeah. <laughs> that's a good one oh it took me uh, a second anyway but yeah Caulfield is probably in my mind the favorite I could see Spencer Knight I could see Zegers but in my opinion I don't Cedar's great and everything but I think he Raymond would get the uh I think I'm, I'm putting Raymond over him in the race uh I know some Detroit fans might get a little uh snippy at me but I don't know I have to see a lot I think more that's of Cedar fair, though because what are, what are the odds that more Cider like puts up a ton of points and it's yeah. like the Calder is always much, much like uh, the Norris. It's, it's more so about points than it is about all-around ability. That's just how the voting often seems to go. i got to be honest, I'm leaning towards Spencer Knight for this award over Cole Caulfield, and I'll get called a biased Boston fan for that, and that's perfectly fine. Uh, but the, the logic behind it is Montreal, not exactly a slam dunk to make the playoffs this year. There's a lot of competition in that Atlantic division. Tampa, or excuse me, Florida, of course, is very much in that same division. So you could argue the same thing. Uh, but I think most people would argue the Florida Panthers are better on paper. And Spencer Knight is going to have every opportunity to be the starting goaltender for that team. And I can't help but think that the voting might just go his way for that reason, unless Caulfield puts up an ungodly point total. Especially because Knight's still pretty young, isn't he? He's like 21, I want to say. Yeah. Wow. Yeah. Especially for a goaltender. Usually we see him break in 23, 24, oh 25, or Bennington age. <laughs> he, he's he's 20. Oh, that's that's so silly. He turns, he turns 21 on April 19th. Oh, my God. Oh my God. <laughs> yeah, no. It's if, if he does that, if he racks up the wins, if he gets good, you know gets good numbers and stuff like that, and takes that starter job, I could 100% see that happening, yeah. We'll move on here. Three more awards to talk about. This one I initially wasn't going to include because it's so difficult to say, but it's the Selkie for best defensive forward. And, I mean, as much as I still want to say it's Patrice Bergeron, <clears throat> because it is, um, and as much as people would want to say that Mark Stone is finally going to get a nod... 
let's be honest, wingers don't often get the nod. So it kind of seems like Sasha Barkov's award to lose based off of his reputation. Yeah, definitely. Um, I also I have Barkov in there. I had Stone with the question mark because, you know, it doesn't take fa- no, the winger thing. Um, I got Kopitar yeah. in there. Um, mm. Just because Fair. I think the Kings, with the players they have, with some people that that's coming in there, with the new goalie situation, they're going to be, as, as they always are, a strong defensive team. And I think Kopitar is, and, and the team itself is going to bounce back uh, in my predictions. I know not yours, but I have them probably, possibly, and perhaps even probably making the playoffs just as a defensive dynamo. And Kopitar is going to kind of lead the charge in that way. So that's uh, that's my pick along with uh, Barkov. Fair Had enough. Had to go we'll east-west. <laughs> hmm. We'll move on to the Jack Adams Award as well for the league's top coach. There are some good shouts here, but to me, I can't help but think it's, uh, you know, we'll we'll look at the history of the the Jack Adams Award really quickly uh, and who the winners have been as of late because, uh, let's see, I had Rod Brindamore in Carolina, which is almost a, hey, you were better than expected. You had Bruce Cassidy in 2022 for the Bruins. More often than not, it just doesn't seem like it goes to maybe the uh, the team that wins the President's Trophy, for example. I feel like this is the year that John Cooper in Tampa gets his because he does not have one. He is now a two-time Stanley Cup winning coach. He just signed a three-year contract extension. And you're talking about a coach. It's still one of the craziest stories. He was oh so close to being fired. Yeah. There were a lot of Lightning fans that thought he should have been fired after they blew it against Columbus. That was a controversial decision to hold on to him in the eyes of many. They do, and it works out. They go on to be very, very successful afterwards. John Cooper does not have a Jack Adams on his resume, and I think this is the year that he gets one. Very good point. I didn't even think of him. Um, I kind of got caught in my own thing looking looking for certain ones. I was thinking maybe Florida's coach, you know, Quenville, with how good they're going to be. And then in the West, I have a... I have an interesting selection, and it's mostly because I think the Sharks are going to screw themselves over, is that now that Kane's gone, the league's going to be like, oh, you're missing all that production. The Sharks are going to scrape their way into the playoffs, and they're going to sing the praises of Bob Bugner, who without the top scoring player on the Sharks, he inspired the boys. Carlson has a bounce back (laughs) season. Meyer, LeBanc, they all bounce back, and we make the playoffs, and Bugner gets that. This is more, I don't know, not really a meme pick, but that's more of a... uh, I mean, uh, my mentality heading into the season, terrified that the Sharks uh, kind of shoot themselves in the foot. It's your wishful thinking, yeah. for sure. Yeah. But the the logic does make sense in terms of a, you were not supposed to be this good award. Yeah. It goes to them. Uh, it's still funny. Anytime I see Joel Quinville mentioned for this award, uh, do you know how many Jack Adams trophies Joel Quinville has? I'm going to say zero. I don't think he's ever won. Has he? He has one. Wow. And it... Do you care to guess the year? (laughs) It was obviously not a cup-winning year. His one win was in the year 2000 as the head coach of the St. Louis Blues. (laughs) He never won the Jack Adams as head coach of the Blackhawks. That is how stupid the voting is for this award. It's so dumb. That's kind of insane. 
It's ridiculous. Uh, and we'll move on to our, our final award prediction here. It is for the Jim Gregory GM of the Year Award. And I am sorry. You could say, well, a lot of these moves were done uh, before this season officially began. But I do not care. The best GM in the league potentially a, a questionable person in terms of his morals or not. It is Bill Armstrong of the Arizona Coyotes, whose team has eight picks in the first two rounds of the upcoming draft and will likely end up with more once they trade the likes of Phil Kessel. It's Bill Armstrong. Yeah. I'm sorry. <laughs> Honestly, that's who I got in there. And then I have, uh, as a funny one, I got Lou Lamorello again because it doesn't seem to fucking matter. <laughs> <laughs> He's just, it's true. He doesn't do win. anything and he wins it. Like. <laughs> But yeah, oh my God, Bill, Arms, right. Bill Armstrong. I that's the one for me. Like though, like yeah, he's you know he's his that his team is basically just the cap dump. But at the same time, he got incredible returns for a lot of the stuff. Uh, honestly, that that deal with Vancouver where he ships out Ekman Larson takes three guys with hefty, but they're on expiring deals. Like you, he basically just said, "What are you going to do, Vancouver?" And yeah, I mean, yeah, it's and you had to give up. Connor Garland in that deal as well but I mean I like Connor Garland as a player a lot but given that the Coyotes are going to be tragically bad for the next couple of years yeah. Connor Garland's value to the Coyotes is not Connor Garland's value nope. to the Canucks so it's easy enough to make that deal yeah no absolutely I think honestly their bigger loss was uh oh my god who they traded Montreal freaking Dvorak thank you Dvorak, I think that was their bigger loss. Uh, but at the same time, he's entering his mid-20 prime years, and mm -hmm. they're loading up on picks. And yeah, so it's just a completely different. I mean, with the amount of picks they have now, Arizona, please make a good team, sell some goddamn tickets. Again, I mean, it's questionable. I will shout out. I mean, again, you look last year, like Mark Bergevin, Lou Lamorello, and Bill Zito were the final three. Um and again, all three could be up in the running again. But yeah, I know I agree with your take. Uh, Lou Lamorello is going to win again for no reason. <laughs> <laughs> uh, so yeah, hey, everybody, there you go. Our, our awards predictions again. Maybe on the next show we'll get Endos in there as well um, if he has his still ready to go. And of course, if you're watching on the YouTube side of things or uh, wherever else, hey, let us know your uh, predictions as well for the upcoming season. Aside from that, um, again, a couple other quick talking points that we have here. It's not going to be the longest show in the world, which is a nice change of pace after some of those uh, season previews here. Uh, we'd be remiss if we didn't mention that, um, I mean, especially tonight, it's the start of a brand new season. The Seattle Kraken are playing their first ever game against the previously uh, brand new organization in the Vegas Golden Knights, who, by the way, Vegas is uh, getting ready for their fifth season already. Where the hell does the time go? But the Kraken have uh, had some COVID uh, concerns. That's the only real way to put it. Out of the starting lineup tonight, uh, Jonas Donskoy, Jared McCann, Callie Arncroke, and Jamie Oleksiak are all apparently in protocol right now, according to Cap Friendly, as of four hours before that uh, first game Jeez. is scheduled to be played. Uh, and it was announced today by Joe Sackick as well that Nathan McKinnon uh, has tested positive for COVID. He is asymptomatic, but he will not play on Wednesday or, you know, for the next little while. So uh, some pretty, uh, you know, some pretty unfortunate news is obviously the best way to phrase it, yeah. uh, but it just goes to show the reality of the situation is that, hey, um, 
you know, despite the fact that they're, it's not nearly as as dire of a situation for the league in that they're not in a bubble scenario. Incidents like this can still very much pop up. And, uh, I mean, again, uh, you know, you look at the Kraken, that's just highly, highly unfortunate. <laughs> I, yeah, uh, who are they even going to ice, that, man? Like, that's so cap friendly. Three forwards of, that are pretty important to their middle six. Yeah, so cap friendly has their lines tonight scheduled as Schwartz, Wenberg, Eberly, which. Oh, yeah, they don't have yeah. Gord. Gord's injured, huh? Uh-huh. Oh, Their second boy. line is Ryan Donato, Morgan Geeky, and Brandon Tanev. Geeky second line at what, age 20? Oh, man. 23 at this point. Oh, I'm thinking Nine of the points other in 36 yeah, games. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Marcus Johansson, Riley Shane, and Mason Appleton. <laughs> and a fourth line of Nathan Bastion, Alex Beret-Boulay, and Alex True. I do want to mention Beret-Boulay really quickly as well. He was another guy that we were going to bring pickup. up. He was claimed... On waivers by the Kraken. But the Kraken were apparently third in the waiver order. Buffalo and Anaheim apparently passed on this guy. And I do not understand why. Because it feels like Seattle just got their version of Jonathan Marcheseau. I mean, granted, he's slotted in on the fourth line tonight apparently. But I was shocked. Like, what the hell is Buffalo doing? turning up an opportunity to get a guy like this who could be something. I mean, you could make an entire show just called What the Hell is Buffalo Doing? And <laughs> you would be accurate. Shout out to Architect, who is hopefully uh, not uh, <laughs> not too upset at them passing on that. But at this point, he's got to be numb to it. I don't understand. I don't understand why anyone passed it up. That's Buffalo, a team who just needs good players. Anaheim, a team who needs good forwards. It's weird. It's absolutely bizarre that 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 two teams passed on him and he's obviously a great player yeah he's playing fourth line but you know new team you don't want to kind of rush him into this uh role like hey we got all these injuries freak him out like you're on the first line or a second you know so we'll see how he does but i love that pickup for the kraken if there's one uh beneficial aspect to this for seattle it's that this game is in vegas uh they do not play their first home game until October 23rd, yeah. and that's against Vancouver. So this team should be back to pretty much uh, 100% health. Uh, their defense, is, aside from, uh, of course, Yanni Gord, uh, but their defense is pretty much intact. Uh, top pair, it's Giordano and Dunn, Chalosky and Adam Larson, Carson Soucy and Hayden Fleury. And I mentioned that defense as well. Mark Giordano was there. He was named the first-ever captain in team history, yep. I think, as, as a lot of people expected because... Really, where else were you going to go? Like, yeah. unless you went the New York Rangers route of, hey, we don't have a captain, but we have six alternates. Good Lord, yeah. Six <laughs> with Panarin, Kreider, Zabanachad, Truba, Strom, and Goodrow, for God's sakes. Um, I, I think it was it was bound to be Mark Giordano. And that really is, while they didn't announce it at the expansion draft presentation, that really seemed to be the way they were leaning. Is oh, pretty yeah. much knew. It was all confirmed that Gio was going to be the first captain of the team. Yeah, pretty much. And I'm very glad they didn't go the Vegas route of cliffhanger, 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 and then, oh, wait, wait a sec, we just don't know who we're going to name captain for, like, three fucking years. That was, uh, that turned out to be severely annoying. Um, but, yeah, it's... And then it was Mark Stone. Yeah. Out of nowhere. <laughs> Probably because they couldn't name Flurry their captain. Um, should have should have went the Canucks route and just said, F you, he's our captain, goalie captain. But, uh, <laughs> yeah, that's, I... 
what else can you say? Mark Giordano is a captain. No matter where he goes, he's just that kind of guy and that kind of player. And it makes sense for them. Good leadership guy, good veteran presence, prop, arguably your best defenseman. Looks good to me. Uh, yeah, I, I mean. Arguably your best player. He's, he's up there, Yeah, right? He's, he's definitely up there. Um, as well, too, uh, in terms of captains here, uh, there was another announcement as well. That is that uh, Columbus has named Boone Jenner the seventh captain in franchise history. Sin, are you ready for a little bit of uh, are you ready for a little bit of trivia? I just want to say 2017 is super excited right now. <laughs> but yes, I'm ready for a bit of trivia for Boone Jenner. All right. I want you to name the seven captains oh, no. in Blue Jackets history. Oh no. Um uh-huh. <laughs> good. This is good. Well, I know Rick Nash was one. Okay. Do I have to yes, name him in so order? Rick Nash. No. So Rick okay, Nash Rick was Nash. one. I want to say. Obviously Boone Jenner. Yeah. Oh, oh, so he counts as one. Okay. So he'll count as one. So that's yeah, two. Yeah, Jenner, Nash. Who was between Jenner and Nash? Uh, wasn't it Felino? Yes. He okay. was captain of the team for six years. Dude, once Rick Nash left, they went three years without a captain. Wow. They did the whole Ranger-style bunch of alternates, and then, yeah, they finally named Nick Felino captain. Okay. So you got the most recent three in Jenner, Felino, and Nash. Okay. This one's From gonna... there, it gets tough. Yeah. Because we're talking – Nash was named captain in 08-09. So from there, you're talking about 2000 to 2008 – and there were one, two, three, four different captains. I want to say they. I, I think it was before this trade. Did they name Fedorov the captain when he was there? They did not. Shit, that was a good guess though. Yeah, I was like they would have. Oh, okay, um, was Sanderson one? Surprisingly, no. Shit. He was a, an alternate. Ah, very good guesses though. Yeah, very I good remember. Guesses. I remember names. Jody Shelley sure as hell wasn't when he was there. <laughs> <laughs> um. I can give hints at this point if you need me. Please do. Please do. Okay, so the most notable Mm -hmm. is a former defenseman known for playing primarily for another team, but he ended up being captain in Columbus. He has two sons that have been drafted into the NHL. Oh. They had... Wait, wait, wait. Did they have foot? Adam Foote. Fuck! There you go. Yeah, I was going to ask, did he play for the Avalanche? I was like, did he? Yep. Yeah, I guess he did go there. I'm trying to think back to I, I used to do like a dynasty mode in NHL 06 with them. Always start with them because they're trash. But I, I could I could barely remember half the names in there, though. I do. The, 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 the name Sanderson, I remember, because he was the only one to score in the Sharks game I went to, and the Sharks beat him 10 to 2. <laughs> he was an alternate captain for the first yeah. four years of that franchise's history. God, yeah. There are three more. Hint for the first guy. He uh, is currently on the coaching staff for the Montreal Canadiens. Oh, good God. And he's and filled in as head coach of the team when Dom Ducharme was not able uh, to fulfill his duties during this past postseason. Yeah, I... I it's, a, it's a real tough I game. Got nothing. He is a like... former... 
He is a former Leaf, Oiler, Flyer, Blue Jacket. I got like three Send. and a half, man. That's good enough. <laughs> that got half. Uh, we're looking at Luke Richardson. Luke Rich. Oh, okay. I don't. Yeah. Who, who was sole captain of the team through 03-04 and then 05-06. He uh, either split the time with foot after a trade or, or something okay, happened there. Yeah. But. And then the two other ones are tough because I don't view this guy as a as a jacket at all, even though he was there for a decent amount of time. Uh, although he was originally drafted by the Sharks in the second round of the 1991 draft. Oh, good. He was a Shark up until the 97 season, where he ended up playing then for Edmonton and Florida, Columbus. He won a Stanley Cup with the Hurricanes. It's a tough name. What? We are looking. Did he play with the Sharks? 91. Oh, oh. No, I don't. If you get this. Okay. Ray Whitney. Fucker. Oh, yes. I (laughs) forgot. Wait, he was in Columbus. I know he was in Carolina. He was in Columbus? Mm -hmm. Shit. Yeah, Ray Whitney. God damn it. And then the original captain of the team for the first two years of the franchise's history. It was not Jeff Sanderson. It was a defenseman uh, who was drafted in 1986. Good gracious. (laughs) Most notable for being a member of the Montreal Canadiens. Also played for the New Jersey Devils. Short stint with the Coyotes. Played for the Blackhawks. He bounced around quite a bit. He does have a Stanley Cup uh, with the Habs as well. It's a name you would probably not get to save your life. Was it Ogle? uh, It had like the O name. Was it? Uh, ah, um, I can I can never remember it, but it's some weird ass European O name. You're on the right track, yeah. He fought. <laughs> I remember he kicked the crap out of five foot ten Mark Smith. <laughs> ah, it's so close, ah, I can't believe it. Ah, what is it's? <sighs> I I I'll hear it and then yeah, just tell me it because I'm not gonna get it at this point. So the Ray Whitney one, you're like, ah, shit. I kind of knew that one. You you know this one. Know. It's it's very Oliwa. clear to me that you know Oliwa? this one. Huh? Oliwa? Ooh, not Christoph Oliwa. Uh, Decent guess. Shit. Who is it then? We were looking for Lyle Odeline. <laughs> yes, okay. You did good, though. You did good. I was thinking I mean, of Oliwa, many... though, because he kicked the crap out of Mark Smith. But yeah. Odeline. I don't know if you. I don't know how many people outside of actual Blue Jackets. Fa- I don't know how many Blue Jackets fans would know like Ray Whitney, Luke Richardson, and Lyle Odeline. I know Odeline know? only from watching like old clips of Matthew Barnaby aggravating everyone on the ice, and I'm pretty sure he got into with <laughs> Odeline a couple times, but that's about it. <laughs> oh God! So hey, chat. Oh, I was gonna say chat as if I'm streaming, but uh, to those listening, hey, uh, let us know how many how many of those names did you know as captain. Of the uh, of the Columbus Blue Jackets, and maybe we'll let Sin get his revenge by having <laughs> me try to name the Bruins captains or so, or like oh. Nashville's captains or some random one that we actually wouldn't oh, have a good God, shot man. at. I wouldn't even know uh, Nashville. Another. Oh God, yeah. I don't know. I'd struggle with Nashville's right now, to be honest. Yeah. I don't even know <laughs> who the current captain is. Is it Yossi? <laughs> it is Yossi. Okay. Yeah. <laughs> Hold on. Let's check that before we're <laughs> before <laughs> before all of Tennessee comes at us. Oh my God! And we're not yeah, invited uh, to barbecue cookouts. Uh, yeah, it is Romaniosi. Thank God. All right. Well, hey. Um, shit. 
Screw it, we're here. Send you <laughs> the captain to the bridge. Why the hell not? We're going down a rabbit hole right now. Oh, God, this is awesome. All right, so they have also had uh, seven captains mm. in their history. Okay. You know one was Roman Yossi. Uh-huh. Another. Can you get the others? Shea Weber. Shea Weber's Hat the big. obvious yeah, one. Shea That's Weber. two. There, there you go. <laughs> now, farther back. Um, I know Dumont was not... Correct. Um, he was not a captain. Fisher? I can give out some. Yes, Mike Fisher. Okay. So you got the three most recent in Yossi, Fisher, and Weber. Yay. I got to go back. Now I'm thinking of when the Sharks. 2010 and older. Uh, okay. That's around the time. Maybe a little after the Sharks used to play him in the first round constantly, but I cannot. Mm-hmm. Cannot remember. From. 07 to 2010, you have a former member of the Devils, Dallas Stars. What what position? <laughs> a centerman. Hmm. Devils, Dallas Stars, centerman. He was a Stanley Cup champion with the New Jersey Devils in 2000. Oh, man. It's a tough one. I'll give it to you. Jason Arnott. Oh geez, yeah, yeah. I, I, you, I want to say all the main ones like Zubris and Zajac, but I was, but they, yeah, there's, mm. they weren't on that team. Damn. All right. Jason so now Arnold. we're looking at the OG captain from '98 to 2002, the second captain from '02 to '06, and then there was a one-year captain from '06 to '07. Ugh. Yeah. Oh man, Go all the way back. I don't. I can't even think of their rosters from those times. I know it's tough. <laughs> so '06 to '07 is a defenseman. Played 16 seasons. He was a Pred for quite a while and then went to Philadelphia for about seven to eight years. Hmm. A, a noted Finn was also a member of the Chicago Blackhawks 2015 <gasps> Cup roster where he played like Chemo. four minutes a game. Chemo. Chemo team in it. Oh, just a one-year ca- I didn't even remember him on the Preds. Yeah, right. right. Well, God, right. It's like you think back to those Preds teams. It's like okay, maybe not all at the same time. Actually, it might have been, but it's like oh yeah, Kimo team and then obviously Shea Weber, yeah. Ryan Suter. Like it's just oh yeah, yeah those Suter. those teams are nuts. So then you have the first two captains uh, in team history. These are very very tough to get. I bet, yeah, um, they're probably so. I'll, I'll yeah, long. I'll since. just give them to you. Uh, the original captain of the team. Well, actually, you might be able to get. It. He is the current GM. Of the New Jersey Devils. Oh, God. He was a winger in his day. He bounced around a bit, played for the Islanders, Panthers. That's what I get for not knowing GM's names. (laughs) Yeah. Uh, Tom Fitzgerald. Yeah. The original captain. No clue. Of the Preds. (laughs) And then the follow-up was uh, Greg Johnson. Oh, the most basic name of all time. Cool. Indeed. So, hey, you you did well there, too, because we didn't talk about this at all. (laughs) Put you on the spot. But, uh, damn, that was fun. I could name the Sharks captains. (laughs) That's about it. I will put you to the test right now. Let's go. Oh, man, I might might have spoke too soon, man. Yep, you might (laughs) have. Put yourself on the hot seat. At least the recent ones I can name. Let's do this. All right, let's go. Sharks captain. Okay. Let's see what you got. Uh, do I have to go in order from backwards? I'll go. I'll, uh, I'll, nope, I'll go you... pretty close. We got okay. current captain Logan Couture. Captain before him, yes. Joe Pavelski. Yeah. Captain before him, Jumbo Joe. Yeah. Before him, Rob Blake. Before yes. him, one year Patrick Marlowe. 
Uh-huh. This is where it gets tough. Uh, Owen Nolan yeah, before him. Yes, sir. Okay, before Owen Nolan. So we're Nolan. back to 98-99 yeah, already. Yeah. And this is where it gets rocky. <laughs> um, how... Todd Gill. Todd Gill. Mm. Nice. Now, you, you are missing one Shit. between <sighs> Nolan and Gill from the 98-99 season. He was mostly known as an alternate captain for the team, but he did technically wear the C. What's it going to be? <sighs> Jeff also, Friesen? Not Jeff Friesen. Good guess. No. You're on the Sean right track. Sean Donovan? Though, in terms of, no, no, no. He, not he got Sean traded Donovan. to Anaheim. Uh, Jeff. Also noted for being a former Leaf and a former Hab primarily. Ooh. <gasps> Domfus. No? Yes. Oh, yes. Domfus. Okay, okay, okay. Good. Yeah. There we go. So, we have three names left. Between 91 and 96. Oh God, when I was a baby. There is one name <laughs> that you should absolutely get, and there is no excuse for you to miss it, and then the other two are excusable. Okay. One name. When you think of the San Jose Sharks, who do you think of? Someone so intrinsically tied to yeah, this franchise. Yeah, yeah, yeah. That's Doug Wilson. I was, I was thinking, I was yes. thinking outside of that. <laughs> I was trying to think of that. Yeah, so he was obviously the first one. Er, yeah, yeah, and then the yeah. other two were so tough, man. Yeah, my god, I'm trying to. They they were uh, those years when they won like six games a year, and who the fuck cares? Yeah, so you were looking at alternates like Alf Dolan and Igor Larionov at the time. Uh huh. Kozlov came Gosh. later. Dude, they're so tough. <laughs> yeah, I'm trying to think uh, because this this one guy was primarily a penguin. He spent two years, less than two full years in San Jose before going to Detroit. It's a real tough one. We are going with Bob Airy. Yeah, no. Airy. Don't know that one. I don't even know that name. And then the other one. What was what was the years that he was captain? Uh, Bob Airy, 93-94, yeah. and then like for 13 games in 94-95. Yeah, I wasn't even watching yet. <laughs> Started watching like yeah, for 95. For the rest of 95 yeah. and through 96 before Todd Gill came along. It was Jeff Odgers. Oh, yes. I know Jeff Odgers. Um, I didn't know he was captain. There you go. Fun fact, Jeff Odgers on Elite Prospects at 52 years old played one game last year officially for the Rocanville Tigers of the Saskatoon EHL. Let's go. All right. So, shout out to Jeff Archers. He's like, He's I gotta get out of the fucking house. <laughs> for the Sask East Hockey League, oh. which features other teams such as the Kenora Cobras, the Esterhazy Flyers, uh, the Theodore Buffaloes. Wow. Which is just fantastic names. So, yeah. Yeah, you did pretty well for all three teams. I think you did better than I would have, especially being put on the spot. Those were tough. I'm proud of myself for the Sharks one. So I'm sad I, I forgot Audgers. I don't care about Aerie because <laughs> I don't even remember <laughs> that. But yeah. So to get us back on track then with our, our final few talking points, because shockingly I remember how we got here, and it's because we were talking about captains. And I was going to transition the captain talk from the Kraken uh, to the team that they're going to be playing that home opener against. Now it is the Vancouver Canucks because Vancouver made a trade uh, dealing Ole Levy. To the Florida Panthers for defenseman Noah Juleson and forward Yuho Lamico. And 
there might not be much at the surface level to talk about with this particular trade, but it is at least an opportunity. Like, Ole Alevi probably would have had to go through waivers. Like, he yeah. wasn't going to make that Canucks roster, so they got something for him. But he was the fifth overall pick in 2016. Yeah. And trust me, I hate this game as much as anybody as a Bruins fan to talk about who somebody could have gotten. Um, you know, they were looking for a defenseman at the time, but Ole Alevi's teammate on the London Knights went sixth right after him. That was Matthew Kachuk. And then you had Clayton Keller. But if we want to even talk about defensemen, uh, Mikhail Sergachev went ninth. Jake Chikrin, uh, Chikrin went 16th. Yeah. Uh, that's that's a tough It can be so tough, tough to judge, round. judge those defensemen early on, especially if they're not like those pure offensive guys. Like Uolevi was always kind of more of the could produce, but it was also kind of hailed for his other sides of his of his game too, and they went early on him. And I mean, he looked great for so like a decent amount of time, but the injuries, man, mm. his his hips aren't aren't they like kind of fucked? Like, he did have yeah. quite a bit of injury trouble. Yeah, yeah so that sucks. certainly I feel bad hasn't for him. helped. But he's got a chance to figure it out. But you're not wrong, right? Like it's it's one of those things where people are so quick to label a bust. I mean, dude, Adam Fox went in the third round of that draft. Yeah. That's just that's the name of the game. You never really know. Some do, some don't. Um, yeah, it, it's a good opportunity for your levy to maybe um, to maybe get things back on track there in a new environment. Uh, and for the Canucks, they pick up Juleson and Lamico. So I mean, hey, they get some depth options. Yeah, I'm not too sure who Lamico well, is, so. but Juleson should be a solid depth defenseman for him. Yeah. yeah. Now. You know, we, we jump from one guy on the move as a, as a former top pick that hasn't necessarily worked out to another guy that hasn't necessarily worked out. We've seen one dude traded. This guy could be next, and that is Vitaly Kravtsov of the New York Rangers, who has essentially requested a trade after not making the team out of camp. He is 21. He'll turn 22 in December, he was the ninth overall pick of the 2018 drafts. And at this stage, he's refused assignment to the Hartford Wolfpack of the AHL. He's expected to be suspended uh, by the team. And it's uh, it's interesting, right? Because this is one of those guys that Rangers fans have been super hyped up about. Rightfully so. I mean, he played last year in the KHL. He had 24 points in 49 games, again, as a 21-year-old, which is damn good. But just not cracking. Well, actually, uh, and he also played 20 games with the Rangers last year as well, where he only had four points in 20 games. He split time in the uh, 2020-2021 season. So, you know, a lower point total this past year, but I know Rangers fans were hyped. And then all of a sudden, the Jack Eichel rumors came up, and people were like, ah, we could use him to get Jack Eichel. Um... It's interesting, though. You know, it's a 21-year-old guy that's just like, hey, if you're not going to play me, I want out. Yeah. I want to be traded. And, you know, it's it's one of those things where from the player perspective, I don't necessarily... Like, you want to just say, hey, you're 21, you still got time, do what's best for your development. On the flip side, we are talking about a Russian player who has options back in the KHL. Yeah. Um, and then from the other perspective, I mean, he, he's got some room to uh, to complain, in my opinion. I think he does, yeah. In that, you can question some of the moves that the Rangers have made, right? Like the Pavel Bushnevich trade, you could say, oh, well, the cap hit. That's why they got rid of him. 
yes, they're probably worse off without him for now. You know, you can understand that side of things. But when they're playing guys, and this is no disrespect to these guys, they're different players. But that fourth line is Dryden Hunt, Kevin Rooney, Ryan Reeves. You know, is there really not a spot for Kravtsov? But then there's the argument of, well, how beneficial is it going to be for him to be on the fourth line? Like, the Bruins had well. that debate um, through camp of, here's Jack Studnicka. Do we play him as our fourth line right wing or our top line guy uh, in the AHL? Yeah. And they sent him back down to the AHL for now. It's just a mess of a situation. The unfortunate thing is, uh, for Rangers fans, of course, is his value is completely shot because... Teams know he wants out. Yep. That really dramatically drops the price. Yeah, so I kind of wonder, thinking back, like, it just uh, you want to be able to be a fly on the wall for any possible trade discussions involving Eichel that would have happened. Was he being dangled in that? If he wasn't, why the hell did they do this and send him back and tank his value now? Like, I heard from some Rangers fans, a lot of them were like, yeah, use him as a trade piece. Other ones were like, nah, Kravtsov's untouchable, but... You have that happen, you know, fan base is divided and every single prospect you fall in love with and you, you know, you think they're so much better than they actually are and stuff like that. Shout out Timo Meyer. Um, but hmm. yeah, it's it's a, it's a tough situation. But yeah, I, I kind of struggle, like, in my opinion, Barkley Goodrow, solid as he is, I don't know where they're going to play him. But I, I have a feeling Kravtsov could do similar things to what he does. Maybe not on the forecheck and stuff like that, but offensive output, absolutely. But the problem is you sign Goodrow to that money. You're going to have to make yeah, him so earn that. You have to. You can't tank his value immediately after you sign him. So I see that. And then another thing, I thought they traded Bushnevich kind of to make room for Kravtsov, but I guess not. Yeah, I mean, maybe the argument is more for Kako and Lafreniere, yeah. who both do slot into the top six. Now, yeah. Goodrow's projected, uh, according to Cap Friendly, uh, as of yesterday, so this could change, but it has uh, Sammy Blay and Philip Heedel with Goodrow on the third line. That's fair. And to that point, do you want to play Barclay Goodrow on the fourth line when he's making $3.6 yeah. can't do it. Until 2027? Probably not, even if he is like a PK specialist you know, within that bottom line. But, I mean, yeah, in a perfect world... I mean, Ryan Reeves is more of a situational guy. You'd think Dryden Hunt would be more of a depth guy. I don't mind Dryden Hunt's game, but, man, Goodrow down to the fourth line with Hunt and Rooney and have just try crafts off of playing Heedle. It's just very surprising. Yeah. And, again, a, a really kind of shitty situation. Like I said, it's the second teams know that this guy wants out. Any leverage that you have in these negotiations just goes down. I mean, unless you pull the Sabres card of, well, we don't have to get rid of them. Yeah. And and then even then, like, there's no great solution unless, you know, you get the player to bend and he goes to Hartford and hopefully tears it up and then you give him a chance a little bit later down the road or you flip him at that point once his value's up because he's been tearing up the AHL. So um, we talked about it. There were a lot of surprising moves yeah. that have happened here in terms of players making the team. Uh, I don't know if any of them have kind of this, uh, you know, like the heavy ramifications that we see here as to where, you know, again, you're talking about a former top 10 pick whose value now is severely diminished. Yeah, and it's just unfortunate. I can understand his point, though. I mean, when you look at that roster, you're, you're, you're thinking to yourself as a player drafted where you were with the skill set you were with, you know, doing what you did in, in like the KHL at least. Uh, you're like, oh, I'm not better than Dryden Hunt. 
I'm not, you know, as skilled as a Barkley Goodrow, but it's, you know, I can see it from the personal side of things. But yeah, from the business side, it's kind of what New York, it's the situation they put themselves in. They wanted Goodrow so bad, they gave him an absolutely inflated deal with inflated term. I'm sorry, I love Goody. I absolutely love him. Has a huge goal for the Sharks in their history. A goal they'll never, ever, ever forget. But he is, in my opinion, a fourth liner on any team who really wants to be competitive. Fourth liner, PK, he can hop up into the middle six and do a job, but it's that's the problem of they wanted him so bad they signed him to a contract that, you know, good for him, he got paid, but they're not going to like that contract in a few years. And to think that they may lose Kravtsov, maybe because of that, I'm not going to put it all on Goodrow, but, I mean, you can't. He got paid. It's, it's on management. They got to manage the cap. They got to manage the players. They have to manage the roster, and... You can see Kravtsov, he's like, yeah, I should be on this team. And he has a great argument for that. It's just yeah, how he's choosing to go about, you know, flexing his muscles and his value. It might burn a bridge and you don't necessarily want to do that. But at the same time, man wants to play too. Yeah. Uh, as That'll bring us pretty much to our final uh, couple talking points here. Some of the contracts that were signed. We'll stick with the New York Rangers. I mean, it is the uh, biggest deal that was signed. I mean, at least, I mean, you could argue the Suzuki deal has, has also been a gigantic deal that was signed recently. But it is the Mika Zibanejad extension that'll kick in next year. Eight years at $8.5 million. Now, Zibanejad, my initial reaction was this is a lot. Yeah. In a way, I still feel that way, but also you're talking about a guy where not all that long ago it was, oh, is Zibanejad going to ask for $10 million a season? Mm-hmm. Now, this deal will start when he is 29. Yeah, I think that's a big issue. So that is, that is also pretty concerning, an eight-year deal starting when someone's 29 years old. Again, $8.5 million a season. I don't deny that I think Mika Zibanejad is obviously one of the Rangers' best players. Like, when he first got there in 2016-17, he had 35, or excuse me, 37 points in 56 games. It's pretty good. Yeah. His second year, uh, 47 points in 72 games, 27 goals. Also pretty good. Was a minus 23. Not the plus-minus is a great stat, but you're like, that's a bit steep. And then the last three years is where he's really taken off, right? It's, uh, you know, the 18-19 season, he had 74 points, 30 goals. In a full season, which is incredible. And then it was the 1920 season where, my God, 75 points in 57 games. Yep. Where, what is this? Like 41 goals in 57 games? What the hell is going on? And then this past year, it was still pretty good 50 points in 56 games. The problem is, if you're paying a player eight and a half million, you need him to be more of what he's been in the last three years. Yeah. How long is that going to last for a guy who will be 29 when that contract starts? And I've seen some Rangers fans say, well, is the argument not that they're closing in on a cup window and you keep Zabanajad and hopefully he stays at that level until his mid-30s and then, well, shit, you deal with the contract at the end of it. I don't disagree with that logic. I mean, yeah, the only way you were going to get Zibanejad probably for $8.5 million was to give him the term to drive down the price. But also, in a way, I mean, he's... You can kind of see it in the numbers. He's been a bit of a streaky player, right? Very streaky, and also... Closing in on a cup window, kind of, but there's still... I feel like they still got a lot to do, and by the time... 
that contract may be becoming a problem. That's also a time when they're going to have to start signing their uh, a lot of their younger players, the Lafreniere. I mean, yeah. that's only in a couple of years, sure, but if they, you know... <laughs> you don't have to worry about signing crafts off anymore, yeah. though. Well, what if you get... All right, so if you play safe, you want to try to load up, you got that cup win, okay, you give Lafreniere, et cetera, so forth, those guys bridge deals. So shorter term, maybe less money, but when those are up, if you still haven't won a cup, they are going to want the dough. They're going to want mm-hmm. the big bucks. And by that point, Zibanejad's production is probably falling off. You could, yeah. It, it. I like the amount. The term is concerning. And, you know, his track record of being streaky is concerning. That being said, the Rangers are on the up and up. He's a big part of that. And he's still playing with a lot of skilled guys. And theoretically, the younger guys, the younger skilled guys continue to develop. Should work out. But again, yeah, any long-term contract like that at the end of it, just the nature of it, it's not going to be as good. But hopefully, flat cap ends by next year or whatever the hell and TV deal and things become a bit uh, better for that. But yeah. They were smart in that there's no performance bonuses on the deal. The signing bonus goes down uh, year after year starting in uh, 20, uh, 25, 26. Mm-hmm. Um and, you know, like the, basically the amount of money they have to pay him, it is a front-loaded contract. Yeah. So it'll make it a little bit easier to maybe part with down the road if they have to do that. Um, but, hey, it just shows that Mika Zibanejad, they are, they are all on board with that idea of him being their guy. We'll see if they're right. Yeah, it's, it's kind of the wait-and-see thing, but I don't doubt Mika Zibanejad. It does 100% essentially put them out of the ruling, or out of the running, I should say, for Jack Eichel, right? I mean, that's yeah. just... That, that that's what it is. I mean, the amount of, uh, whew, I mean, you would be, then be talking about moving one of those big big players. Yeah. That would eventually want a big time cap hit. Uh, you'd be talking about moving one of those guys to make room for Jack Eichel. And, I mean, Rangers fans, you know, if it's Jack Eichel without injuries, yeah, you move Capo Caco to get that done. Uh, now I don't think so yeah. so much. Definitely so not. I think we can pretty much rule the Rangers out of this. I don't think Chris Jury will be uh, will be making that play. Nope. Uh, in terms of other deals, I mean, God, there were Miners. a lot of yeah. uh, a lot of small ones. Like just all small, dude. The Islanders signed Zdeno Chara, Zach Parise, Michael Dalcol, and Anatoly Goloshev all to one year league bin deals because Lou Lamorello's going to win the Jack Adams. Well, not the Jack Adams, but the jam of the year. Give him the Jack Adams, too. He's, to he's, he's been a coach. Yeah. He's been a coach before. He can do it. Did he play? Give him the fucking heart. <laughs> Put him in goal. <laughs> have, <laughs> have him sit on Darren Pang's shoulders so they can be a regular sized goalie by NHL standards. Oh, no. Um, James Neal signed in St. Louis, League Men. Decent chance that works out. Uh, Alex Chase on one-year League Men for Vancouver. Jack Johnson gets another deal. One-year League Men for Colorado. I mean... I don't get it, but... Seems like a good guy, but, you know, it's just... Get out there and hit things, Jack. Yeah. That's, that's pretty much what you're looking at. Um, Jimmy VC in New Jersey, one-year 800K. Eric Gustafson in Chicago, one year, 800K. Brian Boyle, one year in Pittsburgh, league min, 750K. And then there was the one signing that confused everybody. Because this man uh, barely has an elite prospects page, was the best way to sum it up. Uh, And it is a goaltender for the Sarnia Sting. He is 18 years old. His name is Anson Thornton. 
He has no OHL games played, but they were able to sign him because, of course, it would have been his draft year. Um, he's listed as dual nationality, Jamaican and Canadian. This is the most Arizona move yeah. I have ever seen. I I because was, I was looking at that name and I had no clue who that was, and I was just like, "All right, this should be interesting." I the only thing to note, like, is some tournament results. Like he he played in the OHL Cup for the Don Mill Flyers under sixteen AAA team. Had a nine oh nine save percentage in four four games when he was a little bit younger, uh, and then he played for Jamaica. In something I've never heard of, the Latam Cup, L-A-T-A-M, in 2019-20, he played for Jamaica, had a 900 save percentage in two games. I have never heard of this tournament in my life, but from the looks of it, I mean, I'm looking at the scoring leaders. You had guys from Colombia, Venezuela, hmm. Mexico, Argentina, so clearly I need to inform myself and look up this tournament because that's interesting. Um... As much as we find the big signings, it's Arizona's like this this kid. And you know what? I hope that six years from now we're talking about Anson Thornton. Yeah. Uh just crushing it. Uh but it is worth noting like, he was Crazy. the third overall pick by Sarnia in the 2020 OHL under 18 draft. It's insane. So he's had some hype. But at the same time, he's had, like, no hype whatsoever because I, I got to be honest, as someone who's fairly, you know, plugged in and informed in, in terms of prospects in, you know, the NHL world or the hockey world, I should say, yeah. man, I I haven't heard of him, but I'm hoping it works out because that would be yeah. that would be fantastic. It's just like one of those Arizona things, like, ah, oh, they need players. We need just bodies and roster spots. Who the hell knows? But, yeah, you never – I mean, it's the – it's the best type of player to get in a situation like this where no one knows of him and who the heck knows. It's a goaltender. They always develop later. They always seemingly come out of nowhere. I mean, hell, Evgeny Nabokov was a ninth-round pick and didn't find out he was drafted till he read it in his hometown newspaper the next day. Like, I mean, it's this Anson Thornton thing. It's It could kind of be like that where he can just kind of come out of nowhere and at least be semi-productive or maybe nothing happens and he, you know, is just filling roles in the minors. Who knows? But, yeah, very odd. So we have a new player to keep an eye on. Uh, with that, everybody, we are pretty much uh, we're pretty much good for today. Um, show went on uh, about as long as I expected, maybe a little bit longer, with putting Sin on the hot seat with some <laughs> captain's trivia. Yeah. But that was a hell of a lot of fun. It was uh, again. We'll be back later this week. Uh, Endo will hopefully be feeling a little bit better, and we'll get uh, what is the new trio of this show. Uh, back together here again. I, I kind of told people like there would be some changes to the show. We were kind of going uh, to a new chapter and a new era with the show, and I, I am excited. And again, hopefully, if you uh, hopefully you enjoyed the last episode as well, our Pacific Division breakdown because it's going to be a lot more of that. If you missed the show, then hey, uh, you'll get a good idea of kind of the the dynamic that we have here uh, that I was uh, very much a fan of. So, Sin again, uh, it was great to have you back here, full time member of the show now, and. Uh, Man, if, if the last couple shows have shown anything, we're due for one hell of a season yeah. that I think is going to be a hell of a lot of fun to cover. Absolutely. It's going to be uh, great to cover. It's just hockey's back. Everyone get excited. I'm, I'm obviously super happy uh, to be here with you and uh, and every other day with Endo as well, um, even though we hope, uh, hope he gets better soon. But yeah, man, I'm just 
excited to get going and excited to see what this season has in store for us. So that is Sin, that's C-Y-N-F-T-W Prod on Twitter. You can find him on YouTube and on Twitch, Sin for the Win Productions. Make sure you check him out. You can find me, of course, everywhere at Tookie24. A big shout-out to our sponsors at Manscaped, of course, who have, uh, you know, stuck with us here at this stage, which, uh, again, I very much thank them for. We'll see you all later this week. Have a good one. And goodbye.